0: Well, good morning again to all of you. Thanks for joining us. Uh, My name is Dirk MacGyver. I'm the associate pastor here at Maple Park. During the season of Lent, we have had a sermon series entitled Eyes on Jesus. Each Sunday, we have been looking into the eyes of those who encountered Jesus near the time of his death. We asked the question, how did these people see Jesus? Did they see him as someone they could take advantage of? Did they see him as someone they just didn't want around? Or did they see Jesus for who he truly was the Savior of the world? By and large, the group that Jesus encountered in our passage today was a group that miscalculated who Jesus was. They saw him with miscalculating eyes. Let's read our text this morning from John chapter 12, verses 12 through 17. The next day the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a donkey When he had called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead, continued to bear witness. This ends the reading of God's word. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you and thank you for this day. Father, we praise you and thank you for another opportunity to gather together to worship you. And Father, as we look into your word, Father, we pray that you would give us clarity of mind, of heart, and of soul. That we might hear from you about the good news of Jesus Christ, to hear once again about what Jesus accomplished for us as he rode into Jerusalem on a donkey to give his life so that people might have theirs. Bless our time together in your word. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Our text today begins with a victory parade. Do you like victory parades? How about the one with Russell Wilson holding the Super Bowl trophy? It must have been a thrill to watch it, and even more thrilling to be there in person. Well, Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem for his victory parade. Those who had been with him during his ministry were there meeting Jesus with palm branches. Palm branches were generally used to represent victory. But the bigger crowd miscalculated who Jesus was and the kind of victory he would bring. To them, what they saw and what they were about to see just didn't add up to what they expected. The crowd of Jews was looking for a military king, they wanted a warrior. You know, somebody with that wow factor. They thought that he would win wars, that he would win freedom for the Israelites from Roman rule. They were tired of being under someone else's authority. They thought that he would restore Israel and that Israel would be, once again, be a strong and powerful nation. In verse 13, the Israelites shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They thought that he would rule with God's authority. They thought that there wouldn't be any more struggles for little Israel. He was going to be high and mighty. Did the Jews get what they thought they were going to get? Did they get what they expected or who they expected? Not at all. For them, it just didn't add up. They were about to find out that their expectations had been severely miscalculated. And what they expected in the things that they perceived that they were going to receive, they didn't get at all. You see, a military king would have come riding on a stallion. Kings rode on stallions as the stallions represented majesty and power. Do you remember the old Budweiser commercials? Around Christmas time, the commercials showed the Clydesdales pulling around a wagon. These Clydesdales were big and bulky and not to be messed with. You either knew how to ride one or you were getting out of their way. Do you know where Clydesdales come from? They come from stallions. But Jesus did not come riding on a stallion. He came into Jerusalem riding on a donkey's colt. Donkeys were known to be the lowest of animals to ride on. And Jesus wasn't even riding on a donkey. He was riding on a donkey's colt. So we could say that he was riding on the lowest of the lowest kind of animal to ride on. It was a ride of humbleness rather than a ride of prestige. And this just wasn't adding up for the crowd who encountered Jesus on this first Palm Sunday. And why was it a cult? This was to fulfill the prophecy we find in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. It says, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem, see your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. Even those details that were prophesied many years before They were fulfilled. God's power to orchestrate circumstances and details is something that we can be all in awe of. And certainly the Jews could have been as well. But instead, they let their own desires for a military king overshadow their knowledge for the truth. It had to be an animal that was never ridden on before. And this certainly doesn't add up for the Jews. A king would normally ride an animal that was thoroughly trained and equipped for battle. The stallion probably went through some rigorous training to be the horse of the king. And here Jesus is riding on a donkey that had never been ridden before. And why is this? Well, only well-trained horses or donkeys can be ridden. It can take weeks or even months to get to this point. Yet Jesus rode one that had never been ridden. And he did so with no training and also with no trouble. This showed his power in over creation. But it also pointed to the fact that he was able to do something that only he was able to accomplish. He would accomplish a victory. A victory over death and sin itself. And that only he could provide Riding a colt that had never been ridden showed his kingship and authority over all things. It also showed that he identified with the common man, the common citizen who rode donkeys, and whom Jesus had shown over and over again in his ministry that they had as much value and worth as the rich and the elite. Many of the Jews that were there came to Jerusalem because they, had never, because they had seen or heard that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Jesus brought victory over death. Lazarus was in the grave. He was wrapped in linen. And yet Jesus called him out. And then Lazarus came. That didn't happen every day. Is it something that we see today? No, we don't. These people were curious, curious to see what else Jesus might do. So they followed Jesus. Yet they miscalculated what they might find. They were looking for someone to save them from their circumstances. But God gave them a Savior of another kind. Isn't that what our state and our nation and our world is looking for today? As we are, in, we are living in a world that has been ravaged by a worldwide pandemic, the world is looking for someone to save them from this horrible virus. Anywhere, and they are looking anywhere but where they need to look. And why is this? People are miscalculating Jesus. Jesus and the victory he can bring. Do you hear that noise, Pastor Adam? Alec, how about you? Chris? Jesse? Peter? You hear the noise? Maybe in the sound booth. Matt, no no noise? No, it's not the silence or the echo of my voice in this empty sanctuary. It is the devil, Satan, and he's chuckling. He is laughing about what is happening in our world today. How do I know this? Do you remember when the, fir- the world first heard about the coronavirus? It was reported on the 31st of December. And the first case of the virus started November 17th. 17th. Two weeks before the start of Advent. During Advent, we prepare for the arrival of the Messiah, the chosen one, who will save his people from their sin. And we also anticipate his return as he comes back to take those who believe home to be with him. And now, at the anticipated peak of COVID 19 or the coronavirus here in the United States, what is happening? It's Easter, the time in which we celebrate the death and resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. In the midst of these two seasons, Satan has tried to get our eyes off Jesus and has tempted us to be concerned about what is happening around us. We don't have to look any further than our economy. The stock market has not been doing this poorly since 1987. We can say that the economy tanked, our retirement funds have been flushed down the drain. In addition, we have been told to stay home and not to go to work or go to school and more importantly, to church. This all leads to people living in fear. Let's face it, we like to have control over our lives. We like to have control over our circumstances. We might want to act, react in fear because of the trickle-down effect that the virus has had on the church, or our home, or our school. And then we've heard of, or seen, or known others to be affected by the infection of the virus. And and we think of the possibility of us getting it as well, but we don't have to fear. God promised us that we will have sickness, we will have difficulty, we will have trouble, but we can take heart because Jesus also said, "I have overcome the world." There's a, a singer-songwriter by the name of Zach Williams. And he performs a song entitled, No Longer Slaves. And part of the chorus says that I'm no longer a slave to fear. Oh, I am a child of God. You see, what the chuckler Satan forgot was history. As we celebrate Easter next Sunday, with the sanctuary being empty... We will remember the season that we are in. And just as we can hear an echo in the sanctuary, Peter and John might have heard an echo as they entered the grave of Jesus. For when they peeked inside the tomb, nobody was there. Jesus had risen. And was this the end of the story? Did Christianity end at that moment in time? Well, if we read in the books of Acts, we can see that a a hundred days or so later, after the tomb was empty, the apostle Peter shared the gospel with people. And as a result of sharing the gospel, over 3,000 men, women, and children came to believe. And the church was started. The church started after Jesus rose from the dead. What do you think would happen if 125 to 130 people shared the gospel with their neighbors? The same power that was with Peter as he shared the gospel is the same power is it that is in us. We have the power of the Holy Spirit to share the gospel with others and also to share how God's peace has replaced our fear our world might have miscalculated where they might find a savior in the midst of this pandemic but we have the power to share with them the good news of our savior Jesus Christ who has conquered death and fear in 2nd chronicles 6 solomon prays a prayer of dedication to the temple. He prays that when the Israelites sin against God and God brings judgment upon them in defeat, famine, or plague, and when a prayer is made by an Israelite, that God would forgive them. God responds to Solomon's prayer by saying this. When these things happen, when God brings judgment upon them, If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear them from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Our help comes from the Lord. Jesus brings victory over sickness, even a worldwide pandemic like the one that we are facing now. But for most people, this just doesn't add up. It doesn't meet their expectations because they are miscalculated. Jesus also brings victory over a bigger worldwide pandemic. You didn't know there was one, did you? It is called sin. Sin. Sin has been around since the beginning of the world. It has infected all people. Not one person except Christ himself has ever been in this world and not sinned. People have tried to do whatever they could to deal with it. Some of them have said that they were good enough. They believe that their good deeds outweigh their bad ones. But it doesn't add up. Others might say that God doesn't care what I believe as long as I believe in someone or something. Unfortunately, that doesn't add up either. There was and is one way that this problem, this worldwide pandemic can be dealt with. And it includes a man riding into Jerusalem on the smallest of smallest animals. It includes a man who suffered great humiliation. He had a crown of thorns placed on his head. He was stripped of his outer garments. He was beaten with a leather whip filled with metal or glass edges. He who was perfect in every way who never committed a crime, was hanged on a cross so that the sins of the world would be forgiven. It is because of Jesus that you are or you can be right with God. Jesus gave you victory over sin and the penalty of it, which is death. What Jesus Did for you adds up. If Jesus was able to give you victory over sin and death, is there anything that Jesus cannot give you victory over? Is there something that Jesus cannot see you through? This past Wednesday at Bible study, we talked about the peace we can have with God that passes all understanding. That will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. In Psalm 62, verse one, David says that his soul finds rest in God alone. He says this as he is being chased by Saul, who was trying to kill him. There were others wanting to dethrone him, and he was even he was overcome by his own sin. But like David, we can find rest in whatever we are facing, whatever we're going through. Because contrary to what the crowd said and believed and what our world says today, Jesus always, always adds up. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you and praise you for always adding up for us. And you add up up for us not because of our own actions, but you add up because of your action and what you have accomplished for us by coming and dying on the cross. For it's in you that we have life and life forever. And Father, we just thank you that we can have peace with you, even in the most difficult of circumstances. We can turn for you, turn to you for our help and our salvation. And so, Father, we pray that if there's somebody who is even listening through the phone or on Facebook Live who doesn't know you, who hasn't heard of you, may this day be the day of their salvation. And so, Father, we just pray that you would turn their hearts to you, that they might see you for who you truly are, the Savior of the world. So, Father, we praise you and thank you for your grace, your peace to us today. And though even we being sinners, Christ died for us. Thank you for the victory that we might have because you add up. We pray these things in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen.